0: Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty-gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode is sponsored by HomePoint. HomePoint is built for brokers like you. While most mortgage lenders are focused on winning the initial transaction by touting rate and convenience, HomePoint does that and more, taking a holistic, long-term approach to its partnership and customer service. They're evolving the mortgage experience by putting people and partnerships first and delivering the customized support you need to grow your business and wow your clients. Find out why there's no place like HomePoint. Get connected today by logging into the AIM member portal at brokersarbetter.com. MLS 7706. Welcome back, everyone, to another, and I'm going to call it special edition of the right. Broker to Broker podcast here. My name is Mark Summers. Uh, I'm the president of Broker Membership here over at AIM. I'm also a broker owner for Priority Mortgage Lending. Uh, today, I have the honor of doing a live interview, by the way. I haven't done one, one live in a long time here, but today we're going to be interviewing the president and CEO of of the Home Point Financial Corporation, Willie Newman. Willie, thanks for joining us today. Thank
1: you, Mark. It's great to be in person. And you know, like we were talking about, we both flew out from Michigan. I know. To do it I, to I Philly, so.
0: We should have, we should have uh, ordered okay. better and just, I just should have come to your office. I, I, as long as we're in person, I'm good so, <laughs> I haven't cool. done an in-person one in a long time, All so right. just, we're going to have fun doing this. Cool. So. We're going to hop right into it. Now, We, you, you have a great name throughout the industry. Um, you've been in the industry for a long time. So give us a little background on how would you get started in the in this industry? How long have you been here? Just give it all to me.
1: I have. So I'm going to try to not go too deep because <laughs> 33 years is a long time. But so I, when I got out of school, I started working at a savings and loan, and I was kind of a management trainee. One of the things they asked me to do was figure out how to sell mortgage loans. And I thought, man, it sounds like an interesting project. So... I learned, and this is late 80s, so we literally delivered files, physical files, to Freddie Mac. Really? <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, that's when they had the big manila. Yeah. Folders? yeah.
1: So so I did it, and I was like, you know, this is pretty interesting, and I ended up trading the mortgage bonds. I think there was two of them. And, and I was like, that's interesting, too. And, and fortunately, I met a gentleman who was looking to hire somebody for secondary marketing uh, in a very small SNL that uh, another small SNL, but they were building a mortgage business. His name was Stan Rhodes. He became my mentor. So he hired me as a head of secondary marketing and it just kind of went from there. So so he taught me the business, I like to say back to front because I started in the, the back end and kind of learned going forward. And uh, he had a vision Uh, And again, remember, this is late 80s, so I kind of say I was there at the creation. He had a vision that mortgage brokers would become a much more meaningful part of the origination business. And at the time, mortgage brokers basically did hard money. You know, it wasn't even subprime because it was before the capital markets uh, understood those loans at all. So they did hard money loans primarily. And he said, they're going to go mainstream. Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae are going to evolve, and we're going to be right along, there right along with it. And we were, like I said, a tiny SNL mark. and uh, I was like, you know, I was just young enough and you know ignorant enough to say, why not? Let's do it. So that's how I got into business.
0: Okay, so then walk me into how
1: home point. How, did, how did they fall into place here? Yeah. So, so that ended up being my, my, first iteration ended up being 17 years and culminated with, uh, we got acquired a couple different times and then ultimately became AB and ammo mortgage group. So top five originator, top 10 servicer, driv- driven primarily by wholesale. And uh, I learned, you know, like I said, the whole business, the importance of scale, you know, um, integration from a, uh, value chain standpoint. So did that. But that business was sold in 2007 to City Mortgage. And 2009, I started, decided, you know, starting up a business is fun. Kind of forgot about the hard part. So, so I remember the fun part. I forgot about the hard part. But anyway, started up something for Cole Taylor Bank. Uh, ended up being there until 2013. And then um, I left there and decided, you know what, I'm going to do this one more time. And and for various reasons, it wasn't I wasn't able to build it the way I kind of wanted to build it. So left partnered up with a, a great private equity fund, Stone Point Capital, and said, I'm going to do this one more time. And that's where Home Point started.
0: That's where Home Point came. Yeah. Gotcha. So obviously during that time, you said your late 80s is kind of when you yeah. started? Okay. Yeah. I didn't start in the late 80s, but I started in the early Nobody did anymore.
1: That's here, Mark. <laughs> Sorry. Right. I'm Sorry.
0: not throwing shade at you for age or anything like that. <laughs> but I mean, how much has the business, I know it's changed for me and I've been in it for 20 years. How much has it changed you know, for over 30 years. Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously dramatically. But I would say that, um, you know, there was kind of an evolution that was taking place, but you really kind of have pre-crisis and post-crisis. Mm-hmm. The business kind of operated one way pre-crisis and it operates a different way now. And, you know, there are obviously, you know, some, I'll say some elements of consistency. But if you look at, you know, any, any dimension you want to look at, productivity, um, how business is sourced, um, you know, and the ways in which it's sourced. Uh, how business is handled, the sophistication of the capital markets, and the the rigor in the capital markets, like from a credit standpoint, it really is pre crisis and post crisis. So, um, interestingly, and I know we're going to talk more about this because, darn it, we're here at AIM and uh, our business <laughs> primarily is wholesale. That. But, but I think what what's evolved really on the wholesale side is whole is you know wholesale market share got to, uh, to you know estimates variable about 50 yeah ish you know pre-crisis i've heard bigger numbers than that too yeah but, right yeah. right and in, in crater post crisis you know for various reasons that I'm, I'm sure we'll talk a little more about but you know then it's kind of started to to move up since really i'd say 2000 kind of 13 14 and and um i think in for in a strange way but in a very positive way the business now is much more sustainable. The the broker wholesale segment is much more sustainable as we build it. So I'm really excited. Even though I am the old guy in the business, I'm really excited about the future. Um, but to answer your question, I, I kind of look at like pre-crisis and post-crisis are really two different almost ways of doing business. Yeah. I mean,
0: in, in essence, it made us all better. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, we always go through these little walls and then it's. And then us brokers, we think the world's falling because new legislation came in or something like that. And then we go, oh, this actually works out for us. Well, that
1: that's, you know, the, I, I tell people this and they kind of look at me funny, but because brokers were disproportionately blamed for the crisis, they were subject to regulation sooner. And I would say more stringent regulation. That actually instilled a level of discipline in the broker segment and then also with with wholesale lenders. That it didn't, it wasn't apparent for a while that that would be valuable. But that's ultimately what makes it sustainable: is broker compensation was limited. Um, therefore, the brokers had to be more efficient. For a long time, many loan officers said, "I don't want any part of that." But now you're seeing the benefits of being more efficient. On the wholesale side, it's the converse. For for us, who you know made the made the investment, our investment, primary investment was in 2018, and what we saw was that there was room for another scaled lender and that scaled lender would help drive additional market share. So it was incumbent upon us to be efficient, um, a- a- as efficient as we can be uh, to provide great experience and all those things, is going to kind of help the segment grow. So no, it, it, like I said, in a very counterintuitive way the more regulation actually helped the segment. And I think that as a result, it's going to be much more sustainable because what's wrong with being efficient, providing a great experience and, still getting, you know, very reasonable compensation for it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when broker paid lender paid compensation came out, everyone was, our business is gone. I'm like, wait a minute, sit back and think about this for a second. That's right. And it's helped a ton of people.
1: That's right. That's right. And it's, and it's clear too. I mean, in a sense, I mean, you have different, obviously kind of disclosure regime, so to speak, but that's said, It's like, and, and as you know, we've been studying a lot the the um, the benefit. And fortunately, another regular, regulatory change, um, Humda 2018, yeah. started collecting a much wider um, array of information. That information can be used to now directly compare broker originations or wholesale originations with retail originations. And you know, well, I know one of the questions you'll probably ask is, you know, are brokers better, right? Yeah. It's like I don't have to
0: ask that question. I know the answer. You
1: know it. But-, but now we can prove it. We can prove it financially. The benefit that that goes to um, consumers, uh, if you look at just the cohort for the uh, three-year period, the average benefit life alone is $8,000. And the average benefit up front is $1,500. The even better news, because I'm, I'm very passionate about this, is if you look at low and moderate income borrowers, and you look at low and moderate minority income borrowers, the benefit actually goes up. So when when... Everyone talks about how can we expand markets, and you know how can we make it, things more affordable for for everybody, but in particular for pretend, you know historically underserved segments. I have a very easy answer to it. It's you know we don't have to do anything different than what right. we're doing today. It's just that we have to get people to understand that it is available to them.
0: Love it. I absolutely love that. And and those are stats that brokers, you know, my fellow brokers need to know. Yeah. You know. It's, well, we're
1: just like, like I said. The data. Like we we frankly, didn't fully comprehend the richness of the data. And now we're being we're really drilling down on it. So we're going to get it out to everybody. I mean, everyone needs to
0: know this. Love it. I mean, the more information we have, the better. Yeah. One thing you brought up um, in, in, in the beginning part of our conversation is you had a mentor. Yeah. Tell me and tell, tell us why it's so important to have a mentor.
1: Yeah, it's funny because, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned the way I was hired. I, I had no idea the importance of a mentor because I, I didn't have one when I was younger and what I actually kind of recalled now is that I went to Michigan business school and Michigan business school. I was like a minority in that I was from the state of Michigan and I was a middle-class kid from the state of Michigan. So I didn't fit in at all, (laughs) but, but I know the area. I know what
0: you're talking about.
1: Right. But what I learned was that, and I remembered is that many of those, they they had, we know, maybe we didn't call them mentors, but they had guides along the way, whether it was their parents because maybe they worked on wall street or they, um, understood the importance of having someone who could help guide them. And so I kind of fell into having Stan as my mentor. Um, but without him, there, I mean, there's no way I would be where I am today because he he not only helped me understand the business and, um, like I say, I, I like to say people there are lots of people who know how, uh, how money is made. There's not nearly as many people that know how to make money. And he helped me understand the difference between that ultimately what he also did was he gave me responsibility probably before i deserved it but trusted that i would figure it out and so you know now you you have that in a mentor it's like again how can you not evolve so um i mean i i encourage we started a mentorship program at home point and we did it with 10 um you know for, for us we were focused on the minority community we had 10 within six months six of them got promoted really yeah so i mean and we were growing, so, you know, I want to like, you know, yeah, there's yeah. lots of opportunity. But that said, it's like, I mean, if that doesn't demonstrate the power of having a mentor, uh, I wouldn't know what does.
0: OK, well, what what so if someone's out there willing to be a mentor, I know AIM has a, has a great mentor program. Yeah. Um, But what piece of advice would you give to someone who's willing to mentor someone? Because it is it is a burden. Yeah, I shouldn't say burden. That's a bad word. But what I should say is it, you take on a lot with that, You yeah. do because not only are you taking on your responsibility, you're taking on their responsibility to make sure they succeed. So what's some advice you would give someone that's willing to be a mentor?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One is I think, you know, my kind of personal philosophy is like get a little better every day. And I think there's a lot you can learn being a mentor. So if you approach it that way, you know, it, it's an investment. But, you know, not only is the mentee getting a return, if, if you I think if you approach it the right way, you're getting a your return as well, because you understand what it was like to be that person. I think the second thing is you almost remind yourself how you became successful. And yeah. maybe sometimes you forget some of those things when you're in, you know, the, the, the rush of every day and rates just went up a hundred basis points. Right. But it's like, how did I get to this point? Right. And, and so I think it's a good, you know, at minimum, it's a good reminder um, for yourself as a mentor. It's like, oh yeah, here, the, here's the things I might've forgotten about that are important. And, you know, just reinforces that for you. I think
0: that's a perfect example. One thing that, that I've spoken a lot with a lot of people about is also being willing to let go.
1: Yeah, you know I mean, right. like
0: it's okay to allow people to make mistakes. I mean, there's certain mistakes you don't want them to make, right? Because they're illegal. But <laughs> right. but at right. the same time, it's it's okay. You almost want them to mess up.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, it's like in my example, he gave me the responsibility, and it's like i was it was not a perfect it wasn't a straight line right? it was like <laughs> it was like i made mistakes but i, I learned from those mistakes and I, and i think being a good mentor or being a good leader overall you're you're not going to let people fail based on their mistakes you know if confident if they don't have competence that's different but but that's part of your role as you know whether you're a mentor or a leader part of your role is you know you got to have that net underneath them yeah
0: i mean good leaders that's what good leaders are they're just mentors you don't have to have that, that title. If you want the title, that's great, right. but showing that you're willing to do it. But at the right. same time, just being a good leader, being a good person, you know, and, and allowing these people to grow in their own path, not just your path. Is, yeah. is a Well, thing. one of the
1: things I've noticed about AIM as an organization in particular is the, the willingness of, uh, I'll say, like perceived competitors to share. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like, that kind of lifts the, the whole, the professionalism of, of the broker segment it lifts the organization as AIM and the individuals end up being better off. And I think, I, I don't, frankly, I don't know how you guys did it, <laughs> but but you really seem to attract people that are willing to share with each other, even though they may be perceived as competitors. Yeah. And
0: we have a great team. Yeah. I should say that. So, well, we're going to, we're going to flip topics here because we're going to go into one of the con- my, my most favorite topics here, because when, right. when, when, when I helped get AIM off the ground, you know, it was, it was this big thing about retail and wholesale. Right. And I'll never forget it because one of our co-hosts, JP, who did season one for us, he was the first person I spoke to. And he was at retail inside. And I just basically said, stop what you're doing. <laughs> hey, just stop. You know, maybe you're not going to make sense of this. Just make the switch and do it. And right. obviously we all know and love JP. But w- so from a retail to broker standpoint or retail to wholesale, why you kind of answered this a little bit. But I
1: want you to dive a little bit more into it. Why are brokers better? Yeah. Well, like I said, now I, like I can prove it with numbers, yeah. but I think, you know, it's really more than that. Because you know, first and foremost, becoming a broker in means that you have choice. And you know, there, I, it, it's interesting because I obviously have a lot of friends in the industry. A number of them run very well-known and very successful retail organizations. And I'm not sitting here saying like it's the you know broker is best for everybody. Um, I certainly know retail is not best for everybody. But <laughs> but but and, you know, I think first and foremost, as a broker, you have choice. And so. Uh, that, that is a very valuable commodity to have. So if for some reason, you know, that this never happens, but just go hypothetical, if HomePoint doesn't do what we say we're going to do or if we're not executing as you need us to, then you have another choice. You can go somewhere else. And I, I mean, that, that is hugely valuable, uh, especially if you think about where we're at today in the you know, whether it's the housing market, whether it's interest rates, it's like having the ability to be flexible and choose and, um and ultimately make sure that your, your customer ends up getting a great deal and what they need in order to, you know, to to reach their dream, whatever it is, whether it's homeownership, whether it's a refinance, whatever it is. I think ultimately that, that to me is like a huge driver of, of why someone should be a broker.
0: Yep. So you got, you got the tangible stuff, the data, and then you have like the real life approach. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. And I think one of the things that um, is not, you know, I kind of think about objections, right? It's like, well, You know, I'm kind of off on my own. And I think, you know, I mentioned aim, how we work with our broker partners. It's like you are far from by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You're not on your island. Yeah. Yeah. You're entrepreneurial and you're you're responsible in a good way for your your PL, you know, for making money as a business. But by the same token, you have yeah, you have a great association here. You have lender partners who are willing to to help you all along the way. So it's like I, you know, hearing that as an objection, objection, it's like you need to dig in a little more. Yeah. And, we, and again, we need to get the message
0: out. Absolutely, and trust me, we're doing that. <laughs> um, is this Micah? Yeah, right. uh, Make sure everyone heard that. No. <laughs> um, okay, so right now, obviously, rising interest rates, margin depression, all these buzzwords that we that, we, that are going around in the industry right now. I mean, it, it's a fact. There's there's an influx of retail coming over to to the wholesale channel, which right. which is great for me, and in terms of. Obviously, could they take a little business away from me? Sure, you know what I mean. But I always sure. go to the bigger thing, which is we help consumers the best. That's what I always lean on, and yeah. the more people we can help, the better. So, but if you do have someone that's looking to to flip from that retail side going broker, even if it's just with another shop, what piece of advice would you
1: give? them? Yeah, I think um, I you know be curious. Make sure you ask all the you know the right questions, and understand that that there is kind of help along the way. Mm-hmm. Like again, I think there's like this fear of the unknown. Where oh, you know, I'm, I'm I have this kind of well, um, kind of security blanket. Yeah, if I work for a larger company or a direct uh, retail lender, but it's not a security blanket. Well, <laughs> because the ultimate security blanket is giving the best possible deal to the consumer. Right. And partnering up, you know, whether whether it's with AIM, whether it's lenders, it's like this community that we we've created and we're we're expanding on is actually that that's what's sustainable. It's like, it's not, it's not as much kind of who you work for. It's kind of who you work with. And so, so that's what I would say is like, yeah, I know there's a little fear of the unknown, but don't be afraid to reach out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, and that's the one thing I, I always say the thing I love most about aim is the community. Yeah. Um, I always tell this story. People probably like, Oh shit, here comes Margaret with the same story. <laughs> but it's like, if this was five years ago when you were a broker down the street from me, I hated you. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just that we thought there was competition right. there. And then, the thing I love about AIM is the community and how we're willing to share, yeah. you know, and I know that if anyone from retail were to call it, any one of our members, they would give them the honest truth and dispel some myths. Right. What is the biggest myth out there?
1: Uh-huh. Well, so I, yeah, I want to flush the idea that <laughs> that your brokers caused the financial crisis first and foremost, maybe again, maybe cause I'm an old timer. <laughs> it's like, you know, I know that there's only remnants of that still around, but it's yeah. like, can we just, can we just flush that? I I think the second thing is like, you know, I'll be a little colloquial here, but it's like brokers are cowboys, right? It's like they're independent, they're on their own. And again, I think that's a little bit of a, I'll say a a element or remnant from the crisis, but it's like brokers are professionals, especially if you think about like those that migrate, like if you're like a retail you a retail loan officer you work for a direct shop and then you come over to wholesale you didn't become unprofessional the day you switch right, right, right. you do the same that's a great way of saying you're that the same right there. professional you just have access to more things than you used to as right. a matter of fact so you can become an even an, and and uh, what I've seen the evolution of AIM, you know, you and Katie, you should take great credit for this. It's like you're helping lift the professionalism of, of everyone who is involved with AIM. So, so yeah, that's what I would say is like, you know, brokers aren't cowboys. Brokers are professionals, and and you know, let's let's have everyone understand that. The other thing that, and this is probably, you know, maybe this is where the the humdum dad is helpful because it's probably a better way to approach it. But it's like. You know, brokers can't just kind of gouge people and take as much compensation as they want. They're tightly regulated, right? More so than a retail lender. So, you know, let's let's understand that. And that, you know, like I said, in a kind of a counterintuitive way, that's what one of the reasons that such efficiency is being driven through the through the channel now. Yeah. I always
0: tell people don't be afraid of regulation. Because if any if we learned anything from the crash of oh eight oh nine, is that you know that everyone said we didn't have regulation. So now we do have it and you should lean on it. Right. It's okay to lean on it. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. So, you know, we, we've talked about a lot of things. I know we've already talked about benefits about this, but what do you think besides choice uh, besides being able to maybe have your own business, what do you think is the biggest benefit of being in the broker channel?
1: God, don't, don't, aren't those good enough? Huh? I know, yeah. There's more. See, uh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get them out of you. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously aim, I mean, the kind of the association and the, the partnership that's there. Um, I don't. know. Am I missing something? No, I don't really think you are. But. I'm gonna say?
0: So with that being no, you're you're right. I just want to. You know, the, the the thing about it is is I I just get passionate about this, and what I've learned real fast is the same benefit that I think is the most important. Someone else is completely different.
1: Well, here's what I would say is that, and, and you know, maybe again, maybe this is a little bit esoteric, but it's like you're helping consumers, and it's like the the we like I said, we can prove that it's better. And it's like the better it is, the more consumers you're helping, the the um, more expansive the housing market can be, the more inclusive we can be from mm-hmm. a housing market. standpoint. like I said, if you look at the HMDA the data, it's like man, man, brokers provide greater savings to minorities than they do to majorities. Right. right. So it's like I, th- I think that's the other thing is like like all of us in the mortgage business, you know, we do, we do the we, we're doing the right thing. To help, to help consumers you know, achieve their dream, but in particular brokers, it's like, we're just doing a better job. So to me, that's like the other element of satisfaction that maybe people will start to really understand and, and, uh, and feel good about.
0: See, I got a different answer out of you that time. I See, know. I just have to pull it out of you. I was working bit. on it. <laughs> okay. So, I and I'll say this, you know, and, and it's really hard for me to talk to people sometimes, you know, maybe they want to make the switch or they just want to maybe d- jump into our industry. Yeah. I've unfortunately had to tell people, listen, I don't think this is for you. Right. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. I, or maybe, you know, don't come out of the gate starting your own business. Maybe hop in with a, with a local broker for a year two years. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You'll still make a good living. And in, in your eyes, what kind of person you think will thrive in, in our wholesale channel?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think if you're kind of like chasing you know the shiny penny syndrome, if you're just chasing after the shiny penny, I don't think that that is the right mindset to have. So I think, you know, I, it, you really look at it. One, I think you have to be entrepreneurial. I do, um, because like I said, the, the bigger companies can provide kind of quote that security blanket, whether it is real or perceived, they can. and people who are more kind of corporate people will be attracted to that. So I do think you have to have an entrepreneurial mindset. I think you have to be flexible. Uh, But at the end of the day, um, like you said, it's like if if you're just doing this to like you think you're going to make a few more bucks than you did before and that's it, then I don't really know if it's right for you. Yeah, it's hard to be passionate about that. That's right. And and like I said, it's like it's interesting because like my career has been wholesale. But the reason... You know, maybe it's because I'm closer to the end of my career than I am to the beginning of my career. But also, this is the most sustainable version of wholesale I've seen in my 33 years. So mm-hmm. it's like, be a part of that. It's very cool to be a part. You know, have, Being a guy who was there at the creation of wholesale, basically, right. it's very cool being a part of something like that.
0: And you're saying, it's obviously, it's going in a good direction.
1: I, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, put it this way. It has to go in a good direction because right. it's just so compelling.
0: Yeah. It's a big part of everyone's lives. I mean, so... That's the better right. we make it, you know, with your help, the better it is for us. That's right. All right. I got one more question for you. Then. All right. right, we're gonna, Then we're going to throw Katie into the mix on this one nice. here. But what do you define a successful, like, broker to wholesale lender relationship?
1: Yeah. So I feel like alignment is really important. And so, you know, like that's, I mean, the whole point we have, we have what we call principles and stakes and alignment is one of our stakes. We use that term quite often within the organization, but I think understanding kind of the broker's needs and our ability to fulfill those needs and understanding for the broker understanding what we're looking for in in a partnership and again philosophically how we think about things if we get aligned on that to me that is like a very dynamic combination uh, because both parties benefit uh, both have the opportunity to grow business together and you know like i said that kind of that ultimate fulfillment of of taking care of customers is gonna is gonna um, be very powerful I mean, I want a
0: relationship with my lender. I want a relationship with my vendors. I don't want it to be transactional because right. it's everything in our industry that we fight against. Yeah, because we tell right. people to stop being transactional, but then we want to be. We're
1: not. Well, I know. Well, you're you go to a, you go to a customer or a consumer you say, trust me, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, should I only trust you for these 45 days <laughs> until <laughs> right. this is that's done? Or do I that. actually, like, who trusts anyone for 45 days, right? It's like, you know, I want to build a relationship with you over time. And I think, like you said, Mark, that's how we think about things too. And and we think that's like the most know, powerful way to to grow the business together.
0: Bigger scale things. It's yeah. not just the dollar. That's right. Absolutely. And
1: well, it gets back to that shiny penny thing, right? It's yeah. like, if you're just chasing a dollar, then, you know, maybe, maybe broker's not for you.
0: At least our version of it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with what, what, what you've been saying, and I absolutely love it. I think, yes. uh, you know, we think a lot alike. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to say it's a good thing here.
1: I'm going to uh, go great minds think alike. There you go. All right.
0: Let's uh, go but, with that. but with that being said, you know, I, I don't want to leave HomePoint out of this, this whole equation here. So I want to talk a little bit about HomePoint. So we know when you started it, mm-hmm. but tell me, like, when you started it, how many employees did you have, and like, where are you at now?
1: Yeah. So, mm-hmm. It's interesting because so in order really or in order to enter the business, buying a company makes the most sense because you can kind of hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. And so the company we bought, frankly, was primarily a retail shop, and so they had a very very small wholesale business. So I'd say I'm going to use that as my contacts. I'd say there was probably about twenty to twenty five okay. people in the wholesale in the wholesale a good division. size,
0: but still pretty small
1: for that's right wholesale. That, that's right, and so and we grew it, but we didn't really grow it that significantly in part because um, we were still determining if it made the most sense to invest in wholesale, because, you know, as we talked about before, Mark, the share was low and it was hard to see where we could truly add value. That, you know, kind of like that came to us in 2018. So in 2018, yeah, you know, I'll estimate, we might've had a hundred you know, uh, associates in wholesale. And the, well, we started investing significantly in 2018. So it's really been, you know, say three to, three to four years. Um, that I'd say we've kind of been in it uh, I'll say in the form that we are today okay. where we've been focused on it as a primary channel of business we invest heavily in it and we you know look to expand relationships um so today the or our whole organization has over three thousand associates wow. and the preponderance of them are in wholesale so um you know, so you know from maybe from 20 to two thousand would be maybe a, a good point of comparison and, okay. and specific to wholesale it's amazing it's and, and it's not I mean, that's a short period
0: of time, let's be honest. Yeah,
1: well, especially in 2020. So I guess, you know, the real catalyst for our growth from a leadership standpoint was 2020. And obviously everyone did extraordinarily well. But maybe to underscore, kind of the, the, I'll say the confidence that we had in wholesale, we were investing in 2019, building capacity, even though every forecast, if you recall, is for the market to be down, yeah. not up. But we had excess capacity going into 2020 because we felt like, one, we felt like wholesale would grow as a channel, and two, we felt like we could take market share within the wholesale segment. So we were in a strange, you know, in a, a, a uh, uh, unrelated way prepared for 2020 because we had a good amount of excess capacity, but we built it because we had confidence in the channel. We used it because everything grew like crazy, right? And so that really kind of put us on the map from a you know getting us to number three because because before that in 2019 we were number seven. Okay. So that was the catalyst for putting us there. But like I said, we know all, you know, rising tide lift all lifted all boats, but for us, it was fundamentally because we had confidence in wholesale that we were able to grow as much as we did. That's
0: awesome. So what, okay. So with this growth, um, how do you, I mean, how do you manage that? growth? (laughs) I mean, are you still looking to grow more? I mean, I I guess time tells, but like, how do you manage that aspect of it that
1: fast? We are certainly looking to grow our share of the segment and you know, as we've talked about, I personally am going to put it this way. Th- this channel is going to grow or I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going <gonna laughs> go, to okay. go out <laughs> on the stretcher. I don't know, but, but because it should. And, and like I said, it's, we're obviously invested in it. I have an interest in it growing, but by the same token, I feel like for the kind of the good of everybody, this channel should grow. So, so we're going to work to grow our share of the channel. And I'm, I, especially me, is going to work to grow the mm-hmm. share that the channel has overall. So, so we're focused on that. I think you know, one of the hardest things to do is grow rapidly as an organization and then kind of sort out what you might have done that was more short-term oriented to take advantage of the market opportunity mm-hmm. and what is truly longer-term investment. And so we spent a lot of 2021 doing that, where we said, what is, what is kind of the, the sustainable part of what we were able to do? And let's make sure we invest more in that. And what were the parts that maybe we did in order to take advantage of the environment? And let's make sure that we don't assume that those are the right. things So we spent a lot of time on that.
0: Gotcha. So what we're now looking back on it, I mean, with this growth, I mean, I know you're going to have different pain points later. It's just, it's our business. Yeah. What was your biggest pain point? with that growth in that four ish
1: Yeah, I I'm going to stick strategic cuz obviously there were <laughs> certain days. I mean, if you think about March of 2020, the market was like, I mean, you know, there was margin calls and all that. Yeah. i I'm going to step aside from that though. I think when you're growing rapidly, to me the hardest part is to grow leadership. And I don't mean you know, necessarily at the top. I mean the people that make the trains run every day, making sure that not only do you have strong leaders in those positions, but that you're developing them in a way that will allow them to be successful And to it, it, because there is such a tendency in our business and probably others too, to promote the best of, right? right? If I have the best processor, I'm going to make them the lead processor. And it's like, that doesn't make them a great leader. Right. That just makes them the best processor, right? right? And so I think that to me, that was probably one of the hardest things. And frankly, We probably could have done a little bit better job of it, and and we again spent a fair amount of 2021 making sure we had, yeah, not only um, make sure we had the right people in the right seats, but we're that we are thoughtful about cultivating them in a way that would allow them to grow along with us. So I think, to me, that kind of that um, I'll say it more foundational leadership is probably that one of the hardest parts of growing. Gotcha.
0: So okay, so how are you setting yourself up for future success?
1: Yeah. Well, it's a lot of that. It really is a lot of, you know, again, in addition to the stuff we're doing, you know, technology side and product and process and all that. It's really making sure that we're cultivating our associates to kind of each individually be the best they can be. And then especially from that leadership standpoint, make sure that we have the strong leaders in the right spots that we're developing to become even better leaders. I don't know what else to say. This, uh, <laughs> this, was, this was great. I don't want not say too much. <laughs>
0: no, you did great. I mean, right. it, it, you, you had it from one point of you know the history of the business, where we're at now, yeah. the mentality, the philosophical things of everything. And then you gave us a little insight on on your company. I well, mean, everyone knows HomePoint, but yeah, it's like, well, give us a little
1: more. Yeah, well, hopefully what people see, too, is that, like I said, I, I, I probably am one of the few people left in this business that did business with mortgage brokers in the 80s. But hopefully what people see is my passion for it is like it's it's, all, it's almost greater than it's ever been. And it, like I surprise myself sometimes with how passionate I am about it because now I see it's like this is the right channel at the right time. For what's going on out there, so hopefully people get some of that from this. Uh, in addition to all the great content <laughs> that you do drug fold where, it out of me, pulled it out. Yeah, hopefully they get that as well. So they should. Whoever's in this business should be passionate about it. And maybe that's one of the reasons other people should come into the segment.
0: Love it, love it. Well, Willie, listen, thank you thank so you. much. I can't. Yeah, I mean, we both flew out to Philly to do this podcast. And, I know. You know, it, it was well worth it. The then we don't fly back to Michigan. Then we, got, got, to 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 Michigan. we so, have... got to fly back to Michigan. No so, problem. Thank you for your time. It and, was well worth it,
1: Mark. Well worth it.
0: Great so brokers if you want to get caught caught up on all of our past podcast episodes please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker you can also listen to all the broker to broker podcast episodes on itunes spotify google podcasts and anywhere else where you can download podcasts please do me a favor subscribe to it rate it and leave a review it helps us get the podcast out there and spread the word that brokers are better willie you're one
1: of those thank you sir i appreciate it
0: brokers are you looking for the best resources to succeed The AIM member portal is your one-stop destination for everything you need. Submit and track AIM escalations for high-level loan issues, join the referral list, change AEs, and obtain exclusive discounts. And you'll have access to over 50 AIM lenders and vendors. Don't wait. Sign up today at brokersarebetter.com.